other side of the road only when they grew too tired to keep going. By the time Joanne returned, Peter was sitting behind the wheel, ready to set off on the last stage of their journey. It was nearing 7pm when they pulled away, back into the barren, featureless landscape that stretches far beyond any horizon the eye can see. They'd only been driving for around 20 minutes when Joanne spotted two small rings of fire on the left, five or so metres from the bitumen road. Peter started to break. "'What are you doing, Pete?' Joanne asked. He shrugged. "'I just thought we should put them out. The fire might spread.' Joanne peered into the fading light. "'They look weird,' she said, shivering as she caught a chill through the open window. "'They look almost as though they've been started deliberately.' Peter laughed. "'What? Out here? But we're the only ones here!' Joanne didn't seem to hear him and touched his knee. Keep driving, she urged. I don't like it. It could be some kind of trick or trap. Peter noticed an edge of fear to her voice and stopped laughing. This kind of lonely terrain, with its mood of utter desolation, was enough to spook anyone. He smiled fondly over at her, put his foot on the accelerator, and moved smoothly back into fourth gear. Okay, he said gently. We'll keep going. He said nothing when they saw two more fires further up the road, and they drove past in silence. Less than an hour later, Peter noticed bright headlights behind him and slowed to let the vehicle overtake. As it drew level, however, it braked to the same speed as the combi. With the road so long and straight and empty of traffic, there was little danger. Peter looked to his right and saw the driver gesturing at him. He wound down the window and heard the man shouting something about sparks coming from the exhaust. Joanne glanced past Peter through the gloom of the gathering dusk at the other driver and didn't like what she saw. The man in a baseball cap and checked shirt and with his dog sitting up in the passenger seat beside him was still jerking his finger towards the back of their vehicle. She saw Peter put his foot on the brake and suddenly, inexplicably, felt scared. Don't stop, Pete. Don't stop, she begged. I don't like it. Peter looked at her quizzically, but kept the pressure on the brake. We have to see what it is, he said. It'll only take a minute. He pulled up on the gravel shoulder, and the white four-wheel drive ute with its green canopy stopped behind them. Peter got out and went to see what the problem was. He came back to ask Joanne to rev the engine, smiled at her, and returned to behind the combi. And then the darkness enveloped him, and Joanne Lees never saw her boyfriend, Peter Falconio, again. Part One Leaving Home Sweet Home Chapter One From an English Country Garden As kids growing up in the historic villages on the outskirts of the teeming British Midlands town of Huddersfield, both Peter Falconio and Joanne Lees were always warned to stay close to home. Their early years were coloured by snatches of whispered conversations between adults about the horrors of the Moors murderers who tortured and killed youngsters out on the bleak, windswept hills nearby. Their childhood was spent in fear of the mysterious Yorkshire Ripper who preyed on lone women. By the time that killer was eventually unmasked, thirteen women lay dead and a whole generation had grown nervous about venturing far from home alone. It had a real effect on everyone's psyche, says a contemporary of Joanne's from the same village. 
You grew up being told never to talk to strangers, never to hitchhike anywhere, never to stop for people. It takes you a long time to unlearn those lessons. Sometimes it's better not to try. Peter Marco Falconio was born on the 20th of September 1972 and grew up in the 19th century village of Hepworth, Homeforth, 10 kilometres south of Huddersfield. A jumble of weavers' cottages and old stone buildings clinging to the Emerald Hillside, it was once an idyllic place. Today, however, developers have marched in with their smart new housing estates and mock Victorian facades have steadily engulfed the original buildings. The Falconio's two-storey, four-bedroom detached house is built of creamy stone and is neat and well-kept, but is now encircled by newer homes. Where once Peter's mother, Joan, used to look out over the washing up to vast swathes of endless green, she now stares straight into the white...